Chapter 23, Part 3 of the Commentaries on the Laws of England, Book 2, by William Blackstone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roy Haynes. Of Title by Gift, Grant, and Contract. Part 3. Or, the last general species of contracts which I have to mention is that of debt, whereby a chosen action or a right to a certain sum of money is mutually acquired and lost. This may be the counterpart of, and arise from, any of the other species of contracts, as in case of a sale, where the price is not paid in ready money, the vendee becomes indebted to the vendor for the sum agreed on and the vendor has a property in this price as a chosen action by means of this contract of debt. In bailment, if the bailee loses or detains a sum of money bailed to him for any special purpose, he becomes indebted to the bailor in the same numerical sum upon his implied contract that he shall execute the trust reposed in him or repay the money to the bailor. Upon hiring or borrowing, the hirer or borrower, at the same time he acquires a property in the thing lent, may also become indebted to the lender upon his contract to restore the money borrowed to pay the price or premium of the loan, the hire of the horse, or the like. Any contract, in short, whereby a determinate sum of money becomes due to any person and is not paid but it remains in action merely is a contract of debt. And, taken in this light, it comprehends a great variety of acquisition, being usually divided into debts of record, debts by special, and debts by simple contract. A debt of record is a sum of money which appears to be due by the evidence of a court of record. Thus, when any specific sum is adjudged to be due from the defendant to the plaintiff on an action or suit at law, this is a contract of the highest nature, being established by the sentence of a court of judicature. Recognizances also are a sum of money recognized or acknowledged to be due to the crown or a subject in the presence of some court or magistrate, with the condition that such acknowledgment shall be void upon the appearance of the party, his good behavior, or the like. And these, together with statutes merchant and statutes staple, etc., if forfeited by non-performance of the condition, are also ranked among this and principal class of debts, viz. debts of record, since the contract on which they are founded is witnessed by the highest kind of evidence, viz. by matter of record. Debts by specialty or special contract are such whereby a sum of money becomes or is acknowledged to be due by deed or instrument under seal, such as by deed of covenant, by deed of sale, by lease reserving rent, or by bond or obligation, which last we took occasion to explain in the twentieth lecture of the present book, and then showed that it is an acknowledgment or a creation of debt from the obliger to the obligee unless the obligor performs a condition thereunto usually annexed, as the payment of rent or money borrowed, 
the observance of a covenant, and the like, on failure of which the bond becomes forfeited and the debt becomes due in law. These are looked upon as the next class of debts after those of record, being confirmed by special evidence under seal. Debts by simple contract are such, where the contract upon which the obligation arises is neither ascertained by matter of record, nor yet by deed or special instrument, but by mere oral evidence, the most simple of any, or by notes unsealed, which are capable of a more easy proof, and, therefore only, better than a verbal promise. It is easy to see into what a vast variety of obligations this last class may be branched out, through the numerous contracts for money, which are not only expressed by the parties, but virtually implied in law. Some of these we have already occasionally hinted at, and the rest, to avoid repetition, must be referred to those particular heads in the third book of these commentaries, where the breach of such contracts will be considered. I shall only observe at present that by the statute 29 Charles III, no executor or administrator shall be charged upon any special promise to answer damages out of his own estate, and no person shall be charged upon any promise to answer for the debt or default of another or upon any agreement in consideration of marriage, or upon any contract or sale of any real estate, or upon any agreement that is not to be performed within one year from the making, unless the agreement or some memorandum thereof be in writing and signed by the party himself or by his authority. But there is one species of debts upon simple contract which, being a transaction now introduced into all sorts of civil life under the name of paper credit, deserves a more particular regard. These are debts by bills of exchange and promissory notes. A bill of exchange is a security, originally invented among merchants in different countries for the more easy remittance of money from the one to the other which has since spread itself into almost all pecuniary transactions. It is an open letter of request from one man to another, desiring him to pay a sum named therein to a third person on his account, by which means a man at the most distant part of the world may have money remitted to him from any trading country. If A lives in Jamaica and owes B who lives in England 1,000 pounds, now if C be going from England to Jamaica, he may pay B this thousand pounds and take a bill of exchange drawn by B in England upon A in Jamaica and receive it when he comes thither. Thus does B receive his debt at any distance of place by transferring it to C, who carries over his money in paper credit without danger of robbery or loss. This method is said to have been brought into general use by the Jews and Lombards when banished for their usury and other vices, in order the more easily to draw their effects out of France and England into those countries in which they had chosen to reside. The invention of them was a little earlier, for the Jews were banished out of Guienne in 1287 and out of England in 1290 
and in 1236, the use of paper credit was introduced into the Mughal Empire in China. In common speech, such a bill is frequently called a draft, but a bill of exchange is the more legal as well as mercantile expression. The person, however, who writes this letter is called in law the drawer, and he to whom it is written the drawee, and the third person or negotiator to whom it is payable, whether specially named or the bearer generally, is called the payee. These bills are either foreign or inland. Foreign, when drawn by a merchant residing abroad upon his correspondent in England, or vice versa. And inland, when both the drawer and the drawee reside within the kingdom. Formerly, foreign bills of exchange were much more regarded in the eye of the law than inland ones, as being thought of more public concern in the advancement of trade and commerce. But now, by two statutes, the one, 9 and 10, William III, C-17, the other, 3 and 4, and C-9, inland bills of exchange are put upon the same footing as foreign ones. What was the law and custom of merchants with regard to the one, and taken notice of merely as such, being by those statutes expressly enacted with regard to the other, so that there is now in law no manner of difference between them. Promissory notes, or notes of hand, are a plain and direct engagement in writing, to pay a sum specified at the time therein limited to a person therein named, or sometimes to his order, or often to the bearer at large. These also, by the same statute, 3 and 4 and C9, are made assignable and endorsable in like manner as bills of exchange. The payee, we may observe, either of a bill of exchange or promissory note, has clearly a property vested in him, not indeed in possession, but in action. By the express contract of the drawer in the case of a promissory note, and in the case of a bill of exchange, by his implied contract, viz., that provided the drawee does not pay the bill, the drawer will, for which reason it is usual in bills of exchange to express that the value thereof hath been received by the drawer in order to show the consideration upon which the implied contract of repayment arises. And this property, so vested, may be transferred and assigned from the payee to any other man, contrary to the general rule of the common law that no chosen action is assignable, which assignment is the life of paper credit. It may therefore be of some use to mention a few of the principal incidents attending this transfer or assignment in order to make it regular and thereby to charge the drawer with the payment of the debt to other persons than those with whom he originally contracted. In the first place, then, the payee, or person to whom the whole order such a bill of exchange or promissory note is payable, may, by endorsement, or writing his name indorso, or on the back of it, assign over his whole property to the bearer, or else to another person by name, either of whom is then called the indorsee, and he may assign the same to another, and so on, in infinitum. And a promissory note, payable to A, or bearer, 
is negotiable without any endorsement, and payment thereof may be demanded by any bearer of it. But, in case of a bill of exchange, the payee or the endorsee, whether it be a general or particular endorsement, is to go to the drawee and offer his bill for acceptance, which acceptance, so as to charge the drawer with costs, must be in writing under or on the back of the bill. If the drawee accepts the bill, either verbally or in writing, he then makes himself liable to pay it, this being now a contract on his side, grounded on an acknowledgement that the drawer has effects in his hand or at least credit sufficient to warrant the payment. If the drawee refuses to accept the bill, and it be of the value of £20 or upwards, and expressed to be for value received, the payee or endorsee may protest it for non-acceptance, which protest must be made in writing under a copy of such bill of exchange by some notary public, or, if no such notary be resident in the place, then by another substantial inhabitant in the presence of two credible witnesses, and notice of such protest must, within fourteen days after, be given to the drawer. But, in case such a bill be accepted by the drawee, and after acceptance he fails or refuses to pay it within three days after it becomes due, which three days are called days of grace, the payee or endorsee is then to get it protested for non-payment, in the same manner and by the same persons who are to protest it in case of non-acceptance, and such protest must also be notified within fourteen days after to the drawer. And he, on producing such protest, either of non-acceptance or non-payment, is bound to make good to the payee or endorsee not only the amount of the said bills, which he is bound to do within a reasonable time after non-payment without any protest by the rules of the common law, but also interest and all charges to be computed from the time of making such protest. But if no protest be made or notified to the drawer, and any damage accrues by such neglect, it shall fall on the holder of the bill. The bill, when refused, must be demanded of the drawer as soon as conveniently may be. For though, when one draws a bill of exchange, he subjects himself to the payment, if the person on whom it is drawn refuses either to accept or pay, yet that is with this limitation, that if the bill be not paid when due, the person to whom it is payable shall in convenient time give the drawer notice thereof, for otherwise the law will imply it paid, since it would be prejudicial to commerce if a bill might rise up to charge the drawer at any distance of time, when in the meantime all reckonings and accounts may be adjusted between the drawer and the drawee. If the bill be an endorsed bill, and the endorsee cannot get the drawee to discharge it, he may call upon either the drawer or the endorser, or, if the bill has been negotiated through many hands upon any of the endorsers, for each endorser is a warrantor for the payment of the bill, which is frequently taken in payment as much or more upon the credit of the endorser as of the drawer. And if such endorser, so called upon, 
has the names of one or more endorsers prior to his own, to each of whom he is properly an endorsee, he is also at liberty to call upon any of them to make satisfaction, and so upwards. But the first endorser has nobody to resort to, but the drawer only. What has been said of bills of exchange is applicable also to promissory notes that are endorsed over and negotiated from one hand to another, only that, in this case, as there is no draw e, there can be no protest for non-acceptance, or rather, the law considers a promissory note in the light of a bill drawn by a man upon himself and accepted at the time of drawing, and, in case of non-payment by the drawer, the several endorsees of a promissory note have the same remedy as upon bills of exchange against the prior endorsers. End of chapter 30, part 3